0: morning everyone and welcome to another edition of waking up with flyer and ice a week in review with me as always is nick the Scout tosti i am dan green we are heat ratio sports network please follow us on youtube tap that bell and you will get notified when we go live and as always go to our link tree page on our twitter account and you can see all the podcasts we are affiliated with nick
1: pleasant good morning to you Good morning. Happy Sunday.
0: Yeah, we're we're getting close to uh from a teacher's perspective, Christmas break and everyone's mm-hmm. perspective, Christmas holidays just around the corner. So, the light Happy is at the end of the tunnel, everybody.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: Now, before we get into the business at hand of the flyers past week, mm-hmm. um it looks that the uh the ugly COVID surge is taking place again. Um, Boston, Nashville, Toronto, Vancouver are all going to be postponed through the holiday break. What are your thoughts on what this means moving forward?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, I understand the protocols. And um, I just – I don't know, you know, what what is the long-term plan here with how this the remainder of this season is going to play out um, – given the fact that there is going to be, it looks to be another resurgence of, you know, with this new Omicron variant coming out, um, you know, how this is going to affect, uh, you know, more than just sports going forward. But you can see right now, particularly what's happening in the NHL and the NFL, um, you know, even with the Eagles game being moved to to Tuesday night. um, I I understand there might have been some, some adjustments in the protocols in both of those leagues moving forward. And you correct me if, if I'm wrong, but it I thought I, I thought I saw a statement from the commissioners of both leagues saying that um they were planning on relaxing the testing restrictions for players that have been fully vaccinated and um just kind of staying on top of the unvaccinated players and in, in, um and in testing them more often to you know I, I don't know. I, I you know that's we're yeah, we're we're on a we're on a we're on a different road right now coming into this pot, hockey podcast and I, I get it this is something that you know a lot of people obviously are talking about and want want to have answers to but um it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out especially since those teams have um you know their 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 season has been postponed for at least what two and a half weeks now so um, and, and where they pick up and where do those makeup games happen? is it, is, is they going to be you know I, I gotta I expect that there's going to be an extension of of the season um, and where we typically will see the ending uh, of the regular season in May. you know we possibly could have some summer hockey this year.
0: Yeah, I, it, it's just a it's still an unknown. I mean I no, even the scientists truly don't know what, what what the right answer is. I mean, I think what you were referring to is they were going to, anyone that was vaccinated that feels fine essentially is not going to get tested so in theory you could have a bunch of um asymptomatic people on the field or on the in the rink um they just don't realize it because they're not being tested now does that if i'm asymptomatic and feeling fine and then i somehow give it to you maybe you won't feel fine that's the question mark i have with it if that's the way they're going to go Ultimately, I think I, it's it's a good bet. The Olympics are done. Right. I I hope I hope they don't go to the Olympics, and we'll see if uh, a future bubble arises again. But it, it looks like uh, you know the Montreal scene was a little scary when you saw a completely empty stadium. Oh. It was not something I wanted to see. So let's get let's get down to hockey now.
1: It was it's scary just, on a lot of different levels. The Montreal scene. <laughs> so yeah, <I> just- <laughs> we'll we'll address that too. We'll address that too.
0: So Nick, give me give me your you know, we, we we were with Zach last week and we mm-hmm. had a little comical moment where Zach gave an answer to a question that was, yeah, it was a good answer. And then your answer was spot on. I said, that was the answer I was looking for. <laughs> Please rehash the answer I asked regarding how will they build on the previous two wins and what they
1: need to do moving forward. What was your line? Right. Well, we, we, we were talking about, you know, I think we were kind of getting close to wrapping up the show and um, discussing this past week, which was obviously last week was the upcoming week. uh, The games against um, Ottawa, Montreal, and who am I missing? Um, Devils.
0: Oh, oh, this week, this week. Yeah. yeah, Devils. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we were, we were doing our predictions on Devils, Montreal, Ottawa, and, uh, you know, some of the conversation I think, you know, <laughs> was, you know, Zach was, you know, we just, you know, it doesn't, you know, we whether they win or lose, we just want to see them go out and, and play a good system, play hard, play smart, do all those things, which is, yes, that's true. At the end of the day, when you, when you play the system that you're practicing and you're disciplined and you are waiting for your opportunities in a more patient way and, more puck support and playing a good brand of hockey and getting good goaltending, you should win the game. And, um, you know, we were going through our predictions and I, you know, I felt like that was going to happen with, uh, with both uh, the Devils and Ottawa two home games. And uh, it just, that, that typical let down game in between against Montreal was just so obvious for me. And I think a lot of people, um, and that was very discouraging, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're playing a good brand, you know, for the most part, they're make, they're playing a much better brand of hockey than, than with, with, you uh, you know, behind the bench. And I don't, I don't know why that is, you know, we're, we're, we were talking, you know, a little bit before the show and trying to identify what kind of a system Vigneault was implementing because it was just so haphazardly all over the place. You know, stemming from from the way we break out of the defensive zone, um, where now we're seeing a, a conscious effort by Yo, I would think, in practice to um, manage the puck support coming out of the defensive zone and be having more of a five team, you know, five player, you know, system. Not you know, we're, we were seeing players dart out into the neutral zone when you know, defenseman was barely just getting possession of the puck, looking for somebody to outlet. Um, and which we're not seeing that we're seeing much better control coming out of the defensive zone, much better puck support clean through the neutral zone, which we, which we talk about is so incredibly important and then maintaining possession, um, in the offensive zone, they're definitely getting to the net more, which I love, you know, we were, we're definitely, we're not seeing that. I mean, it was just, you know, uh were situations where we had possession and um, we were either shooting from, from the blue line with no screen and then, you know, no, no rebound opportunities and things of that nature. So, you know, obviously we're seeing, we're seeing a lot, be- a lot better when it comes to that. Um, and, you know, give, Hey, give credit, give credit to Mike Yo for that because he, he, I think he saw what a lot of us saw, what we saw and what, you know, most of the very smart, intelligent flyer fans have seen, um, through that last stretch with Vigneault. and he's he looks to be he looks to be on a mission to correct that part of it before you know the pep rally stuff and all that and motivating your team, which is which is incredibly important. But I think you know you can't have any of that. You can't have success unless you have success with your system first.
0: And it also goes to make you think about he was in charge of the defenseman. And right. we we wanted his head on the platter when he was the assistant coach, and now that he's the head coach, look how the defensemen are thriving. Um, they're joining the rush. I don't think they have the. Sh- there must have been some kind of pressure. Like you, if you join the rush, you better get your butt. You know, they must in playing right. on eggshells with Vigneault, right? Because we'll get to Sanheim in a minute about how he looks like a totally different hockey player, and and Ristalina to some extent also. Um, it's just. It's just fascinating how a tweak here, a tweak there with a system can make a player completely different. And then obviously build confidence. And that's at least what's happening with Yo. Now, obviously it takes a while for the system to get understood, to get fully implemented. And, and, and it's funny. uh, The Montreal game stood out as a stinker, but we still garnered a point Um, last night's game it's like a i i've i referenced it as a Jekyll and Hyde kind of game but we garnered two points so essentially we've um we've gotten points in was it five, in we've got 9 out of 10 points in our past 5 games or, or
1: I don't think or, it's quite it, that many. So this, so if you just go this past week, we had five points in three games, right?
0: Well, we put we had two game winning streak going into these three games. So right,
1: so five six. Uh, so five times uh, two is nine. ten. Yeah, yeah, nine yeah, out yeah, of 10. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like yeah.
0: we, you can't really ask for better than that, but it's the way they got those points that make you still have the but feeling. For example, right. the Vegas game. It, it, you know, the fact that they were in the game with Vegas, who, who were playing well at the time, that was a Carter Hart game. He stole that game. Um, he he was brilliant. They played a hapless Coyotes team that we won. It was a sloppy game, but we won. And then we played, I thought, a terrific game against New Jersey, who's had our number for the past year and a half. And we, we beat them six to one. We didn't have a single power play, which is criminal, to be honest with you. You can't dominate a game and not have a penalty call on behalf of your team you know so that was that was a joke but we beat them six to one and then we had the stinker against Montreal now do you think do you think the game against Montreal was more of a oh my god there's no fans uh, I, there's no internal atmosphere that the players are feeling or were they taking Montreal lightly despite the fact they recently themselves had a 10 game losing streak what were your thoughts on that
1: I mean, you yeah, man, that could come into play. Obviously, you know, you've got an, an energy level that you're trying to achieve over the course of a, of a game. Um, but there was just no energy at all in that game. It was, it was very sporadic, extremely sporadic, almost non-existent. And, um, God, I, I can't, I can't believe I sat through and watched that whole game. It was so, just so boring. Just so like, uh, you know, what's going on? Where's the energy? When are, when are things going to happen? Um, and, uh, it was, you know, they were down one, nothing. And then they tied it up one, one, the final, the final was, uh, what it went into overtime tied one, one, was it? Yeah.
0: Uh, I, let me, I'll double check, but,
1: and, but it was just, you know, I think Dan, yeah, maybe, I mean, yes, you know, I got to think that if you're a professional hockey player, you know, you feed off the energy, whether you're in your own rink or when you're in the away rink, um. But it was just, you know, it looked like after playing a really good game against the Devils, obviously a great game against the Devils, um, you know, Montreal was a team they were just supposed to go in there and handle. And again, you know, we talked about it last week and I I felt like that it's just so typical of what goes on with this organization over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, these are the kinds of games that when you lose them, you look back at the end of the year and you start pinpointing what happened uh, over the course of the season and where the wins and losses were, and particularly where the losses were. And you circle that game on the calendar, you know, and uh, not to mention some of the, you know, the devils and and some of the other games they had played, you know, earlier in the year, yeah. um, you know, good hockey teams, whether they're coming out of this drought with, you know, uh, the intention to move forward and try to advance, you know, again, the goal is to get to the playoffs, um, You've got to come out there with much more energy and and much more, um, you know, focus on what it is that you need to do to beat teams like Montreal. And they just did not do that.
0: Yeah, the score was 3-2. If you recall, 3-2. Jackson Cates and Willman, both unheralded players on this team were our only goal scorers. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, the, I would say that game and the, the game that we were all disgusted with, the 3 nothing loss to New Jersey, perhaps – were the most unwatchable hockey games probably in the past 10 years. It was right. just that bad a brand of hockey. Now, um, let's talk about Travis Sandheim. Um, we just referenced that, we, at least we talked during our pre-show, that he had moments um, three years ago. I think he had that game where he scored two goals in one game. He had flashes. But then really, the past, the past two years – He's almost been unnoticeable on the ice. And most of this year, we were calling for, where have you gone, Nick Sealer, to um, Mm -hmm. take his spot. And we knew Sanheim had way more talent. But he wasn't showing anything. He was unnoticeable. And at least Sealer added the physicality. and Now, Connaughton is, I guess, essentially Sealer with a little more speed and a better shot. But Sanheim has been noticeable he's been the best player on the ice at times it just goes to show you that with the right coaching staff with the right system with confidence a player could could flip the script and I think that's what we're seeing in Travis Sanheim Nick
1: yeah I mean you you don't depending upon the style of defenseman you're talking about you don't always want your defenseman to be noticeable right so but in, in in Sandheim's case in particular, you do because he's got some offensive ability, even though he is – we've had some discussions with uh, some previous guests that have been on the show about uh, the argument that could be made that he is not an offensive defenseman, and I disagree with that. He's an offensive defenseman in a different kind of way. Is he a puck-moving defenseman? No. A Goss spare type? No, he's not. But he's he's an instinctive offensive defenseman in the sense that he likes to join the rush and knows when to join the rush and is, has got the, the hockey IQ to understand where to be. Um, and then also get the support, you know, from, from our wingers to, to understand the fact that, you know, you are losing a defenseman when you're in the rush and then they could compensate for, for, for what happens in transition in the event that you're not, you know, you're not producing in the offensive zone. So, um, you know, Sandheim, Under he, he's listen. You talk about a skill set. He's got an incredible skill set. He's a he's a he's a very 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 smart player. He is a little aggressive, and that can sometimes hurt. You know, when you talk about his defensive abilities, uh, you know, I notice a lot if you know when they're when they're getting back in, into the into defensive mode um, in transition when you know the opponents are coming down with the puck. I, you know, I don't love his gaps. You know, he can be a little he can be a little too aggressive on his gaps and then get beat and and then have some mishaps happen um, you know, defensively. <laughs> but, you know, he's young, he's still learning and, you know, it, we're nowhere near I I think I, I, over the long haul, you know, he could be a he could be he could be a top pairing defenseman. I, I still don't think he's a top pairing defenseman. Uh, on this team or, or on any team in this league. I mean, he's a, he's a good solid D2 pairing defenseman. Um and he could be he could be a strong number 1 within the next couple of years if his con- his confidence c- continues um you know and and what's co- and he's he's surrounded by coaches that understand how to utilize him.
0: That's a good point. And Adam Adam brings up the question, do you think they're going to keep Yo as head coach? And I do. I think yeah. he's going to finish out the year for sure, and we'll see what they look like um, as the year ends. Uh, I don't think it's playoff or bust with Yo because I think they're so far behind the eight ball. I just think it's what we're seeing now. If they grasp the system, and it's kind of to Nick's point, you know, you grasp the system and have a great win against the Devils and come out looking like you do against – the Canadians and then you have a great first period like you did against Ottawa and then play it the rest of the game like you did. And yet ha- it's like, where, why is this team? So Jekyll and Hyde. And that does, that has nothing to do with coaching. They've been Jekyll and Hyde for years through multiple coaching staff. So I don't know what it is with this team that will allow them to just stay the course and honor a system, honor a philosophy um, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what that magical question is or what the magical
1: answer is, but Adam, well, you I know, do think ad-
0: he's going to finish the year out.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think it, ha- you know, it happens in sports no matter what. So we're obviously we're, we're in Philadelphia. We're, we're isolated on what happens with our, with our teams. And, you know, I, I do some, I do some wagering with hockey and I've been getting, I just, I, when you talk about the underdogs that have been ha- what happens in, in the NHL in general, which is what happened with the Flyers against Montreal, does happen more often than you think it does in general in the NHL because I, I witnessed this firsthand last week with my wagers and getting crushed with underdogs just coming out of the woodwork and, and winning game after game after game for a while. So, yeah, it's a long season. It weighs on you, and there are going to be letdown games. But the Flyers are not in position right now to put themselves in a situation where they're letting down on games they should win because they just came out of a 10 game losing streak. Correct. So that's a little bit different. And I think that's what we're all harping on the fact that why, you know, why are they coming out so lackluster against, against teams like the Canadians. Um, But to Adam's point on yo and your point. Yeah. He's why wouldn't he be here right now? And I'm not, you know, I went on a record last week to say that I I was not a fan of yo, Um, you know, in particular, particularly because of what happened with him in St. Louis, not, not in Minnesota. Um, You know, when you, when you, when you take the reins of a team and you're in last place and you get fired and a coach that just got fired here goes on to, to, to take the reins behind the bench and lead the team to a Stanley cup win. That's, that's a little bit of a black eye on your resume. And I, and that, that just didn't sit well with me. And that was one of my bone bones of contention with why I don't think he should be, you know, the, the team, the, 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 coach to lead this team going forward. But from what I see from him and what I hear from him uh, and what he's, what his plan, what he's planning to do to, to, to kind of restructure this system um, and, 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 Bring this team back from from where we were two or three weeks ago with Vigneault, if not longer. Um, I like it. I mean, and you know what? If he wins, he should be the guy. You know, it's funny. You, you see comments on Twitter. I saw one comment. It was like, oh boy, if we keep winning, Mike Yo is going to be our head coach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, that's, if he keeps winning and he and he puts his team in a situation where they can, um, you know, be better and and continually get better going forward, then he should be the guy. If he doesn't, then he won't. You know, so we'll see what happens.
0: Well, the mark of a good coach, the mark of a good employee, the mark of a good boss, whatever the profession is, is learning from your past mistakes. Right. He clearly feels the same way that you do, Nick. There's probably nothing more humiliating to him to know that a last place team that he got fired from went on to win the Stanley Cup. So he probably did a lot of reflecting and looked in the mirror and said, what do I need to do to change my ways if I ever get the opportunity again? And hopefully he's really um, done that and will do that and we'll learn his lesson from his time in St. Louis and prior in Minnesota because he's been fired twice, mm-hmm. but the guy, the, obviously anyone at, at this level, they know hockey. It's a, how are they getting the message through? Um, every, every locker room is different as far as the motivating factor is, but it's like, they have to buy into whatever system that you're initiating, and hopefully that is the case. And like you said, why not stick with them if they win with them? So in that in that uh, New Jersey game, we had the hat trick by Atkinson, um, and the great story of Max Willman started to develop. And then they had the flat game against Montreal, but again, Willman – was the best player on the ice for the Flyers. Um, is this a temporary great story? God willing, mm-hmm. the kid will get healthy and get back in the lineup soon because he's in COVID protocol right now. Um, hopefully it's just the old standards and he's not feeling sick. He just has the um, positive test and he's uh, you know, not feeling the effects of it. But when he's on the ice, he flies. Mm-hmm. And he's playing like a kid that wants to stay in this league. Tell tell me what you know about Max Willman, and do you think he could develop into a a, a complementary piece to a good hockey team?
1: I, I don't know much about his background. A little, a little I know he's a you know he's a Massachusetts kid, um, and which I love to see. You know the U.S. players. Um, I, I think they just they bring a certain type of game um, to the NHL that. Uh, you don't see from European and Canadian players, and um, it's just more, you know, more systematic than, um, than flashy, um, which I like. And obviously, he does have the skill set, and he has the speed. I think he's a Harvard kid, uh, so that that'll tell you what you know what he's like from a smart standpoint. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I see I see flashes of him that make me think that he could be a solid third line winger in this league long-term. And then I see spots where I just, you know, I, I see mental mistakes from him um, that question, you know, what, whether he can learn from those kinds of things or, or not. So I think that for me, the jury is still out on woman. I like him and I'm rooting for him to, to, to do well. Um, like I said, cause I love, I love seeing kids with, with, with that background like him, um, you know, make it to this point, but you know, we talked about this in previous shows. You know, our, our prospect pool is pretty, pretty good. You know, um, we've got some other, you know, names that are starting to make noise, um, particularly in the WHL with Connor McClellan, who's really going on a tear with the Winnipeg Ice. And I've got, you know, I've gotten to watch a few of his highlights over the last week or two, and he's impressing me a lot. So, you know, you 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 put that together with what we're seeing obviously from Elliot DeNoye and, um, you know, Bobby Brink is another name that we talk about a lot. Zaid Wisdom is healthy again. Um, you know, he could be an impactful player on this roster in the next couple of years, also from a physical standpoint, which is something that, you know, he plays a very phys- good, hard, physical, fast game, um, you know, and then we still have Forster down there, which we I think we all kind of love him and his skill set and what he brings, you know, to, to a team. Um, so we're all talking I mean, strictly offensive players right now, but um, you know, when you, when you talk about those players um, you know, you, you see where, you know, who, who gets, who gets left off, who, you know, what happens, it, it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of years, but I'm, I'm all for bringing in these, these really hot young stars to, to just to kind of see what they can do and what they can bring, because I think this is—we talked about this—is the way the league is going now. You know, some of the some of the best players in the league are in their early twenties, um, and these kids these kids are young. With the exception of of, of Brink, who's um, you know he might be a, he might be twenty two already. Um, you know, Denoyer is nineteen, McClellan I believe is nineteen, um, uh, Forster's what do you see twenty one um so you know uh, where where Wilman fits in i don't know I, you know like i said i do root for for kids like that and um i think he's got the skill set to to definitely make it in this league i like i like him better than what i've seen out of nak at this point and you know where they where where wilman is now and where nak was at this time um but you know i do root for him and and i think he'll you know i think he'll be uh I think he can. Uh, I said, like at the end of the day, the, for me, the jury's still out.
0: Yeah, I have no uh, delusion as a grandeur here, thinking that he's going to all of a sudden turn into uh, a perennial twenty-five goal scorer. That's right. not my point. My point is, you see these plug-and-play players um, like Jackson Cates. Jackson Cates has no future with the Flyers. Right. Whereas Max Willman does. I mean, he's sta- not he, not that he does, but he is standing out more. You know, Jackson Cates scored a goal it was a close in bad five hole goal but he's not jumping out at me on the ice i wish him well and i i hope he takes it takes advantage of his opportunity but you can just tell the difference between a guy that's here because there's injuries and a guy that is here because of injuries and he's going to make decisions hard for the management and that's what willman looks like to me um mm-hmm. i mean if a guy like um michael raffle could stick around for a while this kid has some skill sets that Michael Roffle does not, if that makes sense. Now I want to bring up a player that is not Flyer related, but he played against the Flyers. And it's the most um baffling story of the year in Cole Caulfield. In mm. the game against the Flyers, he was the most dynamic, electrifying, standout player on the ice. Granted, he was having a lot of NAK moments where he would rip shots that wouldn't hit the wouldn't hit a soccer net, but he was just so du- noticeable on the ice how does this kid only have one goal
1: I don't know I mean he he looked like he should have had three goals in that mm-hmm. game if it wasn't mm-hmm. for for Hart. yeah um, yeah but he was very dynamic in that game and he is an incredible player you know obviously he's still very very young and I think we're all kind of a little bit spoiled from what we've seen you know in his, in, inaugura- his inauguration year in the NHL just kind of light it up and go right from zero to superstar status for a lot of people um, but why does, you know, I, I think it's got to, you know, in my opinion, Dan, when things like that happen, I, I look to coaching first, not to say that that's the reason. Um, but you know, putting young players in the right position as a head coach in the NHL is probably one of the most important things you need to do for the, the longevity of what you try, you know, of your franchise and, in, in being productive. Um, so, you know, that's, I kind of look towards that first, uh, And, um, but he, he, he puts everything together except for finishing right now, you know, he's just not finishing and that's going to happen. I mean, you know, eventually he's going to come out of that. You saw that, you know, it happened with Atkinson. Um, it's kind of almost a very similar situation. I mean, to the tale of two very different players, but, um, you know, Atkinson showed, how you know why why we signed atkinson in that game against the devils i mean he was just he scored three goals three different ways um you know by getting to the net by ripping the the wrister by by playing smart hockey and and understanding where it needs to be to be be productive um so you know i think um i love caulfield i i I would not be one to give up on caulfield if i was montreal at all i know they sent him down um for for a short period of time and then brought him back up I, i don't know what that does to a kid's psyche um, you would think it would make him hungrier and make him understand that they've got to come back and, and pay uh, play a, play a better brand of hockey within themselves. But I think he's just got to try, you know, I think he's got to work on his shooting a little bit more because he does everything else so well. And you're right. He does make some mistakes, um, you know, on, on the back check and maybe, you know, how he plays defensively because he is, you know, so offensive oriented and maybe, you know, that was kind of a, a punishment, so to speak to, 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 from the coaching standpoint to make him understand that that's what you need to do. You need to play a hundred foot game in this league. And um, you know, so that it's to me, Dan, to answer your question, I think it's probably more mental right now with him than anything, trying to figure out how to adjust from being a superstar his whole life to playing in the NHL out of the gate, being uh, very dynamic and productive and now just kind of confused on what his role is and what he needs to do to get back on track again.
0: Yeah, he's clearly gripping the stick too tight. And it's I, yeah. I, I equate it to a great hitter that's in a no for 20 slump. And once you get that first line drive up the middle, I think the floodgates will open with him. I think once he puts the puck in the top corner of a net, I think that sigh of relief is going to happen and he's going to go on a roll. But the, the kid's dynamic. I, I brought it up because, I, because we all see his greatness. And and many predicted, I believe yourself included, he'd be the rookie of the year. So mm-hmm. no, but I mean it, it's not a it's not a bad call. He's just he just having that that team's having one of those years. So let let's if we go from one talented kid to a group of talented kids, um, Ottawa has an amazing young roster. They have names like Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, Stutzla, Shabbat, um, Zub. I mean they've got a lot of young players that are beyond impressive um for me um zub and shabbat and shabbat right. dominated or stood out last night
1: now mm-hmm.
0: now shabbat was a minus player literally because he played every freaking minute of the game right and that's going to be a he problem. was on the ice. i
1: saw that he was on the he was on the ice for the whole like 36 the whole, minutes
0: yeah it's it, that's insane uh, and he was insane yeah, you, you can't do that to
1: a kid. You can't do that to a
0: kid. I mean, we it, all they have to do is call us and we, we could tell them we, we've we kind of toasted Ivan Provorov a little bit, right. and he was getting 27, 28 minutes a game. Right. So this kid's getting 30. He played two consecutive 36. games. You bet he played 32 against Tampa Bay. Yeah. So he's he's a great player. He was taken 19th overall in the Provorov draft, ironically, mm-hmm. and he's really come into his own the past two years. But you can't do this to a to a player i don't care how young he is but that being said they have a lot of great young talent and i like the positioning of this team better than the positioning of our team going forward
1: your thoughts on what you see
0: from this young ottawa senator squad
1: well it's exactly what i just said when we were talking about the prospects and and having to make room for some of these kids that are so like uber talented i mean they're just they're they're there's some really you know I, again, I'm going to go back on McClellan. Like McClellan is a name that should probably on this uh, be on this roster within the next two years, okay? And and so is Elliott DeNoye. I mean, those two, those two, they're not they're not dominating their leagues by accident. So you know, when you talk about Batherson and Nars and Kachuk, for, first of all, that's that's their top line. They they all play together. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're young and they're dynamic and they're smart and they're good. And again, you know. We talk about this over and over again. That's where the league is going. And to say you need to flood your roster with young players is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you need, if you're going to balance your hockey team, introduce veterans to the lineup. Exactly. You know, they have to just, they have to be there. Um, And I think frost frost is going to be one of those kids too. Like I, I really feel like he's got the skill set. And when you talk about great dynamic players, if he was playing on another team, that had the support and and had the coaching mindset that understood where he needed to be in the lineup and how to play him, he would be, he would probably be off the chart an off the charts kind of a player.
0: Last Um, night, I, I sent you, I'm sorry to interrupt. Last night I sent you an article by Lance green of flyers and itty gritty. Lance is a terrific writer. No relation, by the way, we joke, (laughs) we joke back and forth. He actually has a cousin named Dan green, but Lance, Lance is a very um, talented writer. And he, he, his, I don't know if you read the article about the failed drafts and player development of this team. Um, Rubitsev, um, even Felix Sandstrom, you can't draft a guy in a 2015 draft in the second round and Patrick have yeah, Nolan Patrick, Jay O'Brien. Um, Jay O'Brien, yeah, yeah, just they've had bad drafts. Emil Andrade. The mm-hmm. players, even the kid last year from that we that we took, I can't think of his name. Uh, that Sam was, Kamala. Yeah, well, it, Lance broke it down that he's regressed in, in Sweden and he's been sent down to the equivalent of the AHL in mm-hmm. Sweden, while guy, guys that he wanted picked after him are thriving mm-hmm. with the elite yep. team. So yep. the bottom line is we do have young talent, but we've also – Almost analogous to the Eagles, we've had some wasted years of drafting that are that are hurting this team right now. Um, you you can't have guys that are were drafted in 15 and 16 that aren't even sniffing in NHL. Those are failed drafts. So, but but the players you referenced, and he also referenced how Forster and, and Cam York aren't having great years right now with the Phantoms. Well,
1: Forster's hurt. I mean, they're both hurt. I mean, but been been back, they've been time. back, they've been back they've
0: been back for a while, and their point production right. hasn't been fantastic. Maybe it's a matter of rust. Huh. And I'm not I'm not giving up on those guys because those guys are literally around the corner. Hopefully, Dan, but I would it,
1: like to add this to that to that point real quick on Forster and York. So, when you have a skill set and you have you, a talent level and a young player, sometimes, many times, their production or their abilities are being hampered by the players they're surrounded by at this lower level. So, you know, think about you if you're you know a really good athlete and you're a hockey player and you've got this great skill set and all of a sudden now you've got two guys on either side of you or four pe- four players behind you and and next to you that have a quite lower skill set and a quite lower idea on how to handle the game how that will affect your production in particular so you know yes i always try and balance what happens at a different level of hockey with, with players, but you can't always rely on the point production of what you're seeing in prospects because th- their support is not the same as it would be if they were playing on the main, on the main club in the NHL. So I think our, our viewers probably need to understand that too. And, but what, but when you, on, on the contrary, when you do see players that are producing like McClellan and Dinoyer are producing right now, you surround them with the, the likes of a Giroux and, and an Atkinson and a Farabee it could be lights out. So, you know, yes, we've had many failed drafts and I feel like anymore the NHL has, has pivoted so much in what they're seeing with the younger players, where it's like, if you're not in the league two or three years after being drafted, you're not going to be a top six player, you know, so you're a role, you're really at the end of the day going to wind up being a role player. So, you know, if you're a career minor leaguer, you're a career minor leaguer, Um, but we've got some players in our system uh, and I do think Forrester is one of them, and I do think York is one of them, and I'm McClellan and D'Entrecasteaux, and I think Z- Zade Wisdom would be a, a player that could fill a roster spot uh, on as well. Um, and we haven't even touched on, on Ronnie Adder, who is you know, and Zamula, um, yeah. who are two more defensemen that could really um, you know make an impact on this club over the next two years. So I just wanted to get my point across on that, where you know what we're seeing out of production in, in the minor leagues doesn't always translate to what you see, you know, in, in the NHL. And also if, if makes sense.
0: No, it does. And also part of the flyers problem is, you know, it's a catch 22 because of the failed draft and the lack of talent. I mean, hopefully Farabee is a perennial 30, 40 goal scorer and we got something in that kid. Giroux is really our last dynamic draft pick. If you really think about it and, Part of the problem is, you know, you're holding kids back because you're strapped with the salary cap and players that you have locked onto the roster. So there's, they're being blocked to some extent as well. And then you have issues where, you know, the Scott Lawton's of the world, you referenced the example with the minor league teammates. I don't think you've referenced a hundred times. You don't think Lawton's ever been able to fulfill his potential because of the, the way they use him and, and the lines they put him on. So, it's just, it's just food for thought. The article, the article is as much as I'm aware of the D'Arnais and the Wisdoms and the Yorks and the Firsters, and I'm excited about that, um, Lance's article did make me go, holy moly, to some extent also, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the Emil Andrades and um, those type of players of the Worlds that were drafted. But um, real fast, the game we played against Ottawa, they came – off of a five out of seven um, game tear. They beat, they dominated Tampa Bay four to nothing. They destroyed Florida eight to two. They beat Carolina. They had a tough two to one loss against Tampa Bay. They were playing lights out hockey. I didn't think they would beat Ottawa. Um, probably the best 15 minutes of hockey they played was the, in the first 15 minutes first of the period. first period. Now, what was what was alarming and jumped out at me was the second we went to four and four, how our game changed. We were collapsing. We were like, it was awful hockey. We it was it was almost as like as if we've never been on four and four before. They were collapsing in the defensive zone. Uh, Jim Jackson pointed it out, and that changed the momentum of the game. And the bottom line is, though, they played very well, and then the rest of the game was. An ebb and flow, a Jacklin Hyde game, as I call it, and they—they they, to, to their credit, they—they they almost had a demoralizing loss. They had a gritty comeback and a nice overtime win by the player that we've been highlighting on this show today, Travis Sanheim. Mm-hmm. So it was indeed a good win against. I'm not going to, and I don't want to say. I remember. I don't know if you were with us last year. We we had a little streak where we beat Buffalo, and and one of the callers, not not callers, i <laughs> one of the commenters um was like you are talking about buffalo mm-hmm. and I was like yeah but when you're struggling to get wins a win's a win's a win. This is not your typical bad team though. Ottawa was surging. They their their confidence was developing. They they beat some dynamic teams and I think maybe they took us lightly which gave us our really good first period. But so the bottom line is we have a nine points out of ten 10- point stretch going right now as awkward and as inconsistent as the hockey has been. You can't ask for much better other than having won all five games. So I'll I'll, I'll introduce this question. You know, obviously we can't ask this every show, but with what you're seeing with Mike, yo with what you just talked about with the talent pool, With what you know that is on our roster and what the the players are capable of, I'm going to pose this question to you, Nick. What does our future truly hold? Are we a rebuild waiting to happen? Is it just a matter of getting acclimated to a coach's system? Or is it minor tweaks here and there via free agency and youth coming up? Where do you see the direction of this team, big picture?
1: I see the trajectory going up. I don't think they're in a rebuild. Um, I think there are some pieces that there's some areas where they need to make some changes over the next year or two in particular, freeing up some space for some of these younger players that we just talked about. I think right now, offensively, our third line is struggling. And um, I think a good coach has to figure out what, what he needs to do to create more balance um, in our, in our top nine. Um, I think, I think he's got the top six kind of figured out, but what's going on with that haze line right now is, uh, you know, how much, what, what are we, what are we seeing? What are we, what are we got to see for what happens on that third line to get more involved and be more productive? And, and I, and I don't think the way it's set up right now, I don't think that he's got the right chemistry. Um, and so I think that's contributing to what we're, you know, what's happening to those players individually. Um, I don't think they're in a rebuild there. Obviously we've taken a, a good chunk of the off season to shore up what we needed to do defensively. And, and I'm okay with what's happening there, especially with um, Zamula and York, you know, in particular probably ready to come up and play next year. Uh, you know, we won't see, we won't see handle back. That that's a big problem. Um, And um, right now you're, you're playing without Ellis. So, um, you know, goaltending, I think we're, we're obviously we're in good shape there. So, you know, that's not going to contribute to any sort of quote unquote rebuild type of situation. Um, You know, so I think we, we just, I, when it, when, when we look at the next year or two um, we've got to look at the depth on on, on the offensive side of the puck and, and what's going, you know, I think some changes need to be made there. Obviously, you know, there's some players that, that we could talk about, but I think we all, you know, everybody that's you and I on this panel and everybody else, that's either watching or listening to us knows who they are. Um, And, you know, if, if Mike Yo can be the guy to make that happen, um, if not, you know, obviously we're going to have to bring in a coach that can um, be, be a, be a, be a, be a voice and and bring a system to be conducive to what there is what it is that we're trying to do right now um and evolve from where we've been over the last year and a half and a coach that has to
0: they have to bring a coach in that is a that they literally see as a long-term coach and that, and I, I that's a duh comment but that's that's where I even have to backtrack on my initial, reactionary thought of. I want Tortorella in here. I don't anymore. I took a step back. I thought things through. You can't have a slash and burn coach when you have all this young talent coming in the near future. You have to have a patient coach. And that's where you referenced, I think last week, a former player that came up as a 19 year old, that is a solid assistant coach somewhere or former coach is the ideal candidate because they know what it's like to be that kid so we have to we have to think big picture because we have a lot of young players that need to be introduced to this lineup in the next few years and you just can't have a revolving door of coaches where things will not materialize the way we want them to all right let's wrap up our show with what we have coming ahead now i even you, you see it on Twitter. Who knows if the Tuesday game is going to happen with what's going on with COVID? If they, whatever their decisions, uh, I think I think after this weekend they're supposed to rethink their whole strategy with their protocol. So let's see if Tuesday even happens. But for now, we have the Capitals home on Tuesday. We're at our rival. Well, they're both rivals, but we're at the crosstown rival, Pittsburgh Penguins, on Thursday. The following week, we have back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday, at Seattle and at San Jose, a little West Coast trip. Um, So we have four games to discuss. We'll probably do it – our next waking up with flyer and ice will probably be in two weeks. We're going to give ourselves some time off. No sense coming back on Christmas weekend with just two games in tow. Uh, I'll probably put out my, my graphic puck point. Post game puck points for everyone, if you're interested. But other than for having a show, we'll probably take a little bit of a hiatus. So, Nick, what do you see on the board points if you were to have the crystal ball in front of you?
1: You know, I'm usually pretty confident when we get to this point in the show, Dan, and what's happening. But honestly, (laughs) I just I don't know. Like you talk about Washington, Pittsburgh, and games. You know, two games. You the way this team is playing should probably lose in Seattle and San Jose. Two games the way this team has been playing should probably win. I mean, it could be, you know, it could be we beat Washington and possibly Pittsburgh in a shootout. Uh, and then, you know, I, I just don't see them losing in Seattle. I know of course, you know, that, that could very well happen. Um, since that'll be their first game out West since they, way after getting out there um, and then possibly losing to San Jose. So, I, you know, I, I would be ecstatic with, I mean Split. that would be ecstatic with six points I would be ecstatic with six um yeah. obviously I'm sure you would too and that's probably a dub a dub point too um <laughs> but um you know let's say five
0: yeah that's where I'm leaning I I think I think they I think they do what they do one of these games against Pittsburgh or Washington they'll play well and then they'll probably have a hopefully a competitive loss somehow or some way, maybe an overtime or a shootout. And then I think they win one of the games handily in, on the West. And the other game, they have uh, right. one of those Montreal devil type of games where like, dude, how, how could you play this way after you right. just played so great against Pittsburgh? Right. You know, so five points would be, gr- I would take it. I would take it. But Nick, thank you as always for getting up with me on a Sunday morning. Hmm. <laughs> And ladies and gentlemen, thank you as well for joining us on Waking Up with Flyer and Ice. Our buddy Adam, thank you for checking in. He says four points, so he's looking at two wins, two losses. We are Flyer and Ice. We are part of the Heat Ratio Sports Network. Uh, Stay on because right after us is the sports skillet. Subscribe on YouTube. Tap the bell. Check us on, on all the podcasting platforms. We are everywhere. On behalf of Nick, I am Dan. Have a great, great holiday season, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Stay well, be safe, enjoy your family, everyone.